Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It's day 418, and that brings us to 2 Samuel chapter 5. And today we will see David finally crowned by all of Israel as king over Israel. And then he goes up and takes the capital city, Jerusalem, from the Jebusites, and then he leads the army in victory over the Philistines. So the, the Lord's words concerning David that have been so long coming that he's been waiting for years to see come to pass, come to pass today. So let's pray and ask the Lord's help as we dig into this chapter together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, which is truth, for your son, who is the fulfillment of all of your word, for your spirit who inspired your word and who helps us understand your word and to live your word as you write your word on our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. So, Father, would you work in our hearts and minds and lives today? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For 2 Samuel chapter 5. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, Behold, we are your bone and flesh. In times past, when Saul was king over us, it was you who led us out and brought in Israel. And the Lord said to you, You shall be shepherd of my people Israel, and you shall be prince over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. At Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And at Jerusalem, he reigned over all Israel and Judah 33 years. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, who said to David, You will not come in here, but the blind and the lame will ward you off, thinking, David cannot come in here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is, the city of David, and David said on that day, Whoever would strike the Jebusites, let him get up the water shaft to attack the lame and the blind, who are hated by David's soul. Therefore it is said, The blind and the lame shall not come into the house. And David lived in the stronghold and called it the city of David. And David built the city all around from the millow inward. And David became greater and greater. For the Lord, the God of hosts, was with him. And Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David and cedar trees, also carpenters and masons, who built David a house. And David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel, and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. And David took more concubines and more wives from Jerusalem, after he came from Hebron, and more sons and daughters were born to David. And these are the names of those who were born to him in Jerusalem. Shemua, Shobab, Nathan, Solomon, Ibhar, Elishua, Nepheg, Japhia, Elishama, Eliada, and Eliphalet. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. But David heard of it and went down to the stronghold 
Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. And David came to Baal-perazim, and David defeated them there. And he said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breaking flood. Therefore the name of that place is Baal-perazim. And the Philistines left their idols there, and David and his men carried them away. And the Philistines came up yet again and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of the Lord. When David inquired of the Lord, he said, You shall not go up. Go around to their rear against them opposite the balsam trees. And when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, then rouse yourself. For then the Lord has gone out before you to strike down the army of the Philistines. And David did as the Lord commanded him and struck down the Philistines from Geba to Gezer. That's 2 Samuel chapter 5. And it is just a very powerful chapter, really, for David. This has been a long time coming. You know, he was he was anointed as king uh, just, just a long time before all of this. And he'd been waiting for uh, for a while, right? So he's 30 years old when he begins to reign. He was probably a teenager, probably not much more than 14, 15, when he was uh, anointed by Samuel to be the next king. And then uh, he was chased around by Saul for so many years. And then Saul dies. And then he's anointed king by Judah, just over the tribe of Judah, in Hebron, and he's king for a while, and there's a civil war, and then, and then all of Israel comes and anoints him as king, and he remains in Hebron. The timing of this is not exactly certain, but he he reigns over Judah for seven years and six months, and at Jerusalem he reigns over all Israel and Judah for thirty-three years. But he was still at Hebron for some period of time. Before he goes up to Jerusalem, we're not exactly sure how long. It doesn't appear to be that long, um, but this is a this is definitely God fulfilling His promise. So we don't know. There's there's a little bit of question about you know the civil war between Ishbosheth and David seems to have lasted maybe two to three years, but then this says that he was reigning over Judah for seven years and six months. So it may have been that the deaths of Abner and Ishbosheth caused the northern tribes of Israel to just be very confused and very dismayed and to put off making David king. Or maybe they were having some squabbles among themselves over who was going to be king because it does appear that some period of time has gone by uh, given the fact that that civil war was supposed to have lasted two or three years, and then yet David was king just over Judah for about seven years. So um, the Bible's not always concerned to give us precise timelines. Sometimes it is, but uh, you know what we see here is that David, he had to wait for a while to become king, but what's very significant is that he's 30 years old when he begins to reign, 
and that he reigns for 40 years. Those two references are given to us in very clear language in verse 4. Now, how is that significant? Well, we can see foreshadowings of Christ here in that Christ was anointed at his baptism as Messiah when he was about 30 years old. And then a 40-year reign, 40 years is a period, a long period of sort of divine um, ordination. You had 40 years of wandering in the desert wilderness. Jesus, after he was anointed by John the Baptist and by the Holy Spirit at his baptism, he spent 40 days in the wilderness, you know, entering into his kingship by that time of trial. Um, so 40 is a, is a significant um, marker really for, uh, for time in the Bible. It's a, it's a sort of God ordained complete period of time. Uh, but we definitely see some, uh, some foreshadowings of Christ and the fact that David was 30 years old, we began to reign and then he reigned for this sort of perfect period of time. Of course, King Jesus reigns forever and ever. So then they go up to Jerusalem against the Jebusites and there's a little bit of a troubling little fact here, and that is that out of this event came this practice that the blind and the lame were not allowed into the house. Now, what into the house exactly means there isn't really spelled out, whether that means they weren't allowed into the temple of the Lord, or they weren't allowed into the royal city, or they weren't allowed into the royal palace. It's not explicitly clear exactly here in this section. But what's interesting is how that came to be a rule. And it kind of gives you an insight into human nature and how things can get misunderstood. It was the Jebusites who taunted David and said, you can't come up here because the blind and the lame will ward you off. Jerusalem was a very well-protected city. It was very difficult to conquer. Think about it. Israel had been in the land for hundreds of years by this period of time. And yet they had not conquered the Jebusites out of Jerusalem, which was right in the middle of their territory. So they felt very complacent and very secure. Now, there was a way to get up into Jerusalem, but you had to stop the water supply and then climb up the water shaft, which made you very vulnerable because you can only climb up a water shaft really one at a time. And then you're coming out, it's have to do battle. So it's really a very vulnerable position to be in. But David says, come on, guys, whoever wants to strike the Jebusites, you got to get up the water shaft. And you can just picture some of David's mighty men who had been on some valiant uh, conquests at David's side, climbing up that water shaft. And David said, you know, go and attack the lame and the blind. And there he's really just sort of mocking what the Jebusites had said to him in terms of who was going to be able to ward him off. So David didn't literally mean that he hated blind and lame people. He just said these arrogant, mocking Jebusites who don't think that God can give us the victory, they're the ones that he didn't like. But this becomes this saying that the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. So this is just human nature can misunderstand things and something that starts off one way can end up some very different way. It's kind of like when you used to play the telephone game in school to learn about how you know, miscommunication can happen within a group. So David goes up and he becomes greater and greater. And he becomes so great and, and prominent in that area that Hiram, king of Tyre, 
sends to David cedar trees, carpenters, masons, and they build David a house. They don't build the temple yet. David is later going to want to build the temple, but God's going to forbid him from doing that because he's been a man of war and he's shed blood and God wants the house built by someone who's a man of peace and that's going to be left to David's son Solomon. David takes concubines and wives and has more sons and daughters. Is God approving of this? Is this God saying, yes, polygamy is a good thing. It's good for people to take many concubines and wives. No, God's just reporting that this is factually what happened. What we'll see later in David's life is that having many wives and concubines created a lot of turmoil within David's family and created problems for David. David got into a mindset of where he was acquiring women for himself, which led him down a bad road with Bathsheba. We'll get there in several chapters. And also led to this real conflict within his family between a couple of his sons and a daughter, which we'll also get to in due course. Polygamy is allowed by God in the Old Testament, but never commanded by God and never comes without consequences. There are always dark consequences for the family whenever there is polygamy present in the Old Testament. And then we get a real bright spot that 2 Samuel 5 ends on. And we have to realize it's been a number of years since Israel has really fought against the Philistines at the death of King Saul some seven and a half years prior. And when that happened, it did not go well, right? The Battle of Mount Gilboa was not a good battle for Israel. Their king and his sons, and they were just slaughtered by the Philistines. And they've been involved in this civil war, this internal squabbling, so the, they haven't really fought the Philistines. Well, now the Philistines hear that Israel is united and they have a new king. And it's this David that the Philistines would have known very well who David was. And so they decide they're going to put a stop to this nonsense. No way is Israel going to be allowed to have a king. No way is Israel going to be allowed to be united. They're going to go and put a stop to it. And so they come to the Valley of Rephaim and they spread out. It's a valley that uh, leads toward Jerusalem from the southwest. So, uh, the Philistine area, it's kind of where the Gaza Strip is today in Israel, if you know geography along the Mediterranean coast. So they're marching up from the southwest. So it makes sense they'd come to the Valley of Rephaim, which is to the southwest of Israel. And this is when they come up and they're just filling up, spreading out. So of course the people of Israel had to be terrified. Here come the Philistines. They have just absolutely devastated God's people over and over again. But David inquires of the Lord. David doesn't just rush into battle. David's not confident in himself. David's not boastful of his capabilities. He inquires of the Lord. Shall I go up against the Philistines? And the Lord says, go, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. And so he goes. And uh, that name becomes Baal Perazim. Baal is sort of a common word for Lord. It is a name that's associated with some of the gods of Canaan, but it is just a word in the Canaanite language that means Lord. And it's like breaking through, the Lord breaking through the enemies. And then the Philistines come again. And again, they're in the Valley of Rephaim. And this time the Lord gives different instructions. And this time the Lord wants it known to the army of Israel that it is the Lord who's fighting for them. So go around 
and go into the balsam trees and you'll hear marching in the tops of the balsam trees the armies of the Lord the angel armies of the Lord going out and then then rouse yourself follow the Lord's lead so what do we get from this chapter well we already saw a sort of prefiguring of Christ who is anointed king at 30 years old we also see that you know Christ also goes up to Jerusalem where he there does battle with the enemies of God's people a a more frightening set of enemies than the Philistines he does battle with Satan and sin and death and hell and he conquers and he overcomes so David wins a great victory in overcoming the Philistines but Jesus wins an even greater victory in overcoming our most mortal and eternal enemies we see here that God always keeps his word it may be a long time waiting it may require patience and we may have to go through a lot of struggle and turmoil but in the end God always keeps his word and ultimately we know 2nd Corinthians 1 20 tells us all the promises of God find their yes in Christ let's pray father thank you for Jesus who is the fulfillment of your word in every aspect of it he is our king he is our warrior he is our champion he is our prophet and priest he's the anointed one he's our salvation we thank you for jesus we ask that you would help us to trust in him today and always and we pray this in jesus name amen amen well that's second samuel 5 tomorrow lord willing we're going to continue right on to second samuel 6 and you can see right there on the screen the ark is going to be brought up into jerusalem that's a great scene uh, from david's life so join me for that tomorrow and have a blessed day in the lord